Hello, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. My name is EJ Kerwin. And I'm Tara Kerwin. We have a very compelling subject today, and Tara is going to introduce it. Today is going to be a very important one because it is all about your relationship with your person that first year after you have a baby, the baby transition. And I was reminded of this yesterday. We were having our staff meeting and staffing about multiple couples that they're in their first year of transitioning and it's a shit show. And I'm thinking like, this is why we created our center because we had the twins and that first year was so hard. And we were two therapists like, what the fudge is going on? And So it just brought back my like, A, I felt like I was right there in it and how hard it was. And it brought back like that fire, like, oh my gosh, we have to do a podcast on that first year of transition. And we want to share in normalizing how hard it is, what can happen. But really the main thing is how do you support each other in this? Because yeah. really that's the control you have. Absolutely, You don't have control over like financial resources and nannies and nurses and all that. You have control over the two of you and your new family. And it was so interesting because, you know, this was really birthed out of a staff meeting where we were, where mm. we were talking about a particular case where they, they have a new baby. You know, we have a pretty big staff now. So there were a lot of people and there's a, there's quite a few that have had kids over the years. And like the clinicians who'd had kids were like jumping out of their seats. They're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, they wanted <laughs> to like just talk and share their personal experiences because it's such an intense period of your life and you get so much insight after it's all over. Yeah. (laughs) There's like, I had no idea what I had to be prepared for. We just, we literally are in that honeymoon, like baby moon phase. Like we're having a baby. Oh no, we're having two babies. Or three. (laughs) And I feel like there's more out there now, but really we were not prepared. I, I feel like a lot of couples are not prepared. And Hey, if we can give some support and feedback into like just a few things that y'all can do to support each other, like that's worth it for me because we created a couples counseling center because of it. <laughs> because the the wheels came off the bus after our twins were born. So I think just to start off, let's just normalize. Like it's really hard on a, any transition is hard on a relationship, especially if we don't have the tools to deal with transitions. But for sure, having a baby or multiple babies is a significant transition for everyone involved. It, it changes the the relationship dynamic. It changes an individual dynamic. It changes the family and the household dynamic. It changes many different things. And it's such an interesting thing. I'm always like so excited when I have a couple, because we've had a a fair amount over the years of couples who are in therapy when they're pregnant or when they're about to, to adopt a child or... And so I'm always like so excited for them on some level because I know what that experience is like, like... That until that baby shows up, you have no idea. Even if you've had other other kids, you have no idea what's going. And then all of a sudden, in like in like a matter of hours, yeah. your life 
completely is flipped upside down, like instantaneously when that baby, and and I know from working with couples who gave birth to their babies, but also couples who, who adopted children mm-hmm. that like the minute that little person shows up, total game changer. <laughs> I'll never forget. Like I had everything planned before they were born. I was like, oh, we're going to do the nursery. And we got our little car seats and we bought a freaking minivan. And even in the hospital, it was like, we were in our safe little room. Like you were sleeping on the little love seat. And I had my little muffins right in there with me. And then they put us out in the minivan and we're driving home. And I was like, what now? Like what that's, I was like, gonna do? Um, this is happening. Like I had <laughs> no idea. I just, I'll never forget that. So, and it's really important to know that we all handle transitions very differently and it taxes each partner in a very different way, but we don't talk about that because we're so taxed ourselves that we just want this other person to like freaking know how we're taxed and we don't even think about how to ask them. And so I think one of the big things that happens in that first year is that each individual is taxed in a totally different way and each nervous system operates in a very different way. And I think when it does, I mean, I'm not saying all couples like have this awful transition and they disconnect, but for the couples we see in our practice and even in our own experience, a lot of couples very much disconnect in that first year because they had no idea how to handle it together. Yeah. One of our mentors who's been on the show, if you haven't listened to his episode, Dr. Stan Tatkin's episode, and he co-wrote a book called Baby Bomb that we'll talk more about later. But one one of the dynamics he talks about is that when a baby comes into the picture, we sort of divide and conquer. You know, we each have our own sort of like responsibilities and things that we have to take care of. We have our own reactions to to the change. And what happens is we sort of like naturally and even in some ways for, for utility, we crack off in opposite directions. But then what couples don't do is they don't realign, they don't come together and it creates a long-term trend of them getting further and further apart. And that's really bad, especially in that first year when things get super complicated, when someone is struggling deeply. So I I think it would be important, EJ, just to kind of identify the things that go wrong, what we see, what couples report, just so other people can be like, oh yeah, that is totally our situation. And then we'll move it into, you know, what does healthy support with each other look yeah, like? Yeah. I mean, the probably the most significant stressor that we faced that I see couples face, and this and this really goes for heterosexual couples, for same-sex couples, that, that it's it's not a particular to to one particular subset of couples, is that there's generally one person, there's definitely one person who is more of the primary caregiver to the child. You know, if and if that's the person who gave birth to the child, you know, that trend is like instantaneous. Um, but then there's even, you know, in, in a adopted or same-sex couples, there's one person who the child is more closely bonded to, more dependent upon, more physically drained. And there's generally one person who's a little more still plugged into like the external portions of life. Man. That to me is is kind of the most 
impactful and challenging thing for a couple to deal with. For both, because I feel like that person who has more of the caretaking responsibility, that feels overwhelming and I don't even have time to go to the bathroom by myself because this child is constantly here with me or I can't even shower. Oh, I can't even tell you all of the different things I've heard. And and so it's like, you know, and then for the other partner that's watching it, like feeling just like powerless, like because there really is nothing they can do. They can't just take away that bond. And so they feel powerless. And, and then I think both people start to feel really alone in it. And then I can only speak for me. I just expected that you would freaking know what to do and how to support me. And I did not know how to say what I needed because a big thing that happens for those primary caregivers, like is there's this huge sense of mom guilt. Like I've got to do it all. I've got to be everything. I've got to be superwoman. I've got to do all of this and keep this human alive and feed and clean and and shower and whatever it is. And so you just want your partner to be like, yeah, they know exactly how to do it. They don't have as much going on as I do. There's just this like slight little misperception. I had this misperception that you had it much easier than me, which was actually not the case, but I didn't care at the time. Who we had it very differently. I mean, but I mean, you know, there is, I mean, you know, I have to be like honest, like it was taxing to you in a way that there is no possible way that I can relate to, you know, that it is physically taxing, you know, in in your case, you'd you'd given birth, you you had a C-section. You know, your body went, had been going through like, you know, nine months of change. And then this like really sort of physically traumatic experience of giving birth. And there's, there's, there's like almost no way to completely relate to it. You know, I, I would like to throw in nursing breastfeeding well, yeah, twins in there. Yeah. And, then, and <laughs> that, that part was and then very also like giving physically of yourself, like literally having your life energy flying out your, your breasts for, you know, for, for months. One year. Yeah. For a year. And that is just like, it was, it was so hard on you. Like, can I tell a a funny story? Sure. Okay. So like, you know, we've talked a ton about it, that, that our twins were, were both colicky and they they were super difficult and, and it was just like massively draining on Tara. And so one morning, and it was always like trying to create a system because we're big on systems that was going to like somehow stabilize us. And I came out one morning and Tara hadn't <laughs> slept in gosh knows like how many days. Probably four days. And I see like our couches have been like moved together. <laughs> There's like this like there's this like giant fort in the middle of our of our living room with like stations within the fort. I had cashews, I had my pumping station, yeah. I had And she's my... like, I figured it out. It's it's what did I <laughs> the call it? The super couch. It's the super couch. I have made the super couch and now everything is gonna be fine. <laughs> and all of the the baby's needs are here and I don't have to move unless I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and it was just like I was like oh my gosh, this person has gone insane. She is is absolutely (laughs) insane. And, you know, and I can't, you know, because Tara knew I had the, I had taken over a caseload and I had to like go out and I was going to go work a 12 hour day. Mm. And, and so I had my own like, sort of like, okay, how do I help this person? Then how do I get ready for work? Then how do I go to work? And like our experience was so different. So alone. Yeah. And we never really talked about it. Cause 
I was in crisis mode. You were in triage mode. And we never like really, and we're going to, I promise we're going to give all this supportive feedback on how to really be attuned to each other. But that was the thing when I was in my own crisis and exhaustion and you were literally trying to just like feed our family and working 12 hours a day. So you were in your own, there's no way we could attune to each other in those moments. And again, so happy <laughs> looking back that we had to go through that hell in order to create what we did. Cause I knew I loved you and I didn't even understand what was happening and it was so different. And now we've helped so many couples, you know, get connected because of it. But my gosh, I just, I can think back and just remember how you would come in through that door and I'd look at you and I was like, you take your babies now. <laughs> I was so... And then give them back immediately because I don't want to be apart from them. <laughs> Take them from me. No, you can't have them. <laughs> so again, we go ahead. Yeah, well, and I think the other the other thing I really want to normalize for couples is because there's also this sort of like I don't I don't know if, if myth is the right word. There's there, there's this assumption that, oh my God, this is supposed to be the most beautiful yes. time. And this is we're supposed to be so happy together. And this this little baby is is just this ball of joy that is enriching our lives. And so you feel like you have to fit into this paradigm of like, oh, this is the most amazing thing in the world. But then such a high percentage of couples are really experiencing like, this is really incredibly hard. And that just brought up, and again, we could probably do this podcast for like 10,000 hours. But another thing too is intimacy after a baby in that first year, like like you had said, my body, woman's body, if you have given birth, C-section, whatever, is very like, it changes, it shifts, and you're in this new mom role or just a, a mom role. You Maybe you've already had kids, not sure. But like how many couples don't talk about that intimacy is going to be, could be very different that first year. And not to mention your partner, who is like the primary caregiver now, now that other partner doesn't get the attention that they used to. So there's just so many little dynamics that happen that we don't talk about, we're not aware of, we don't have systems for, and then they just, it starts to create these very unhealthy, disconnected, lonely. I mean, I'm sure you felt very lonely and hated. <laughs> yes. In those, which two weeks before, like we were having a ball eating ice cream every single night together. <laughs> it went from that to like, I'm divorcing you in my minivan. I didn't sign up for this, but I did. Yeah. Well, so let's take on one particular dynamic that I think was at the core of what this couple we were staffing the other day definitely was something that mm -hmm. that we that we dealt with and that we hear tons of the the mom or the primary caregiver dealing with is the fact that that individual is taxed they are burnt out in so many ways they generally don't know how to take care of themselves mm -hmm. and their partner oftentimes doesn't know how to take care of them either Yes. And then, so again, I, I'm going to bring this into like primary caregiver or mom guilt. Like there's this feeling of like, oh gosh, like, and it could be societal, it could be cultural, but like, I'm supposed to be this, like, 
amazing, loving, calm, perfect, chill, perfect mom. And all I really want to do is like sleep or run away or go get a hotel room and soak in a bubble bath or drive in my minivan to, uh, again, many things. And then I think that that for me, it prevented me from asking, A, I never knew how to ask for help. I've always kind of done stuff myself. So that actually even made it worse. But I was like, oh, I can't really ask for anything. That's why I was like so hoping you would just know what to do, especially because you had had two kids before. And unfortunately, it you know, it ended up like, I think maybe the twins were nine months old or six months old. I can't remember. And we were having like people over. My sister was visiting in town and I had this like explosion because there's all these adults here that aren't usually there. And I just wanted to talk to my sister for like 20 minutes. Just wanted to sit down with her, but no one was taking the babies, man. I was like, can't people see that I... And I literally like had an outburst. I was like, can somebody please take my babies and give them a bath so I can... I mean, I was like, I was like, what in the heck just happened? I settled down. I cried. Your mom and Sarah's mother-in-law took the babies, gave them a bath. And I, from that moment on, I was like, people really don't know. They just think, oh, well, those are her babies. She knows what she's doing, obviously. Like they're still alive and she's got them on her body constantly. And I didn't realize that like, I have to literally ask for anything and everything I might need. And so I had to get really good at it. Was I a little pissed at first? I'm like, you should know I just need a an hour to take a bath or a shower. But no, it's like, hey, EJ, I'm recognizing that I need to go to the bathroom alone right now. Like, can you please take the babes for 20 minutes? Versus it used to be like, take the babies. I just have to go to the bathroom because you weren't doing it, right? And so there's just this whole learning how to say what you need and it's okay. And you have to ask for help. And you might look like super parent, but it's okay that you are struggling and that you need support because that is the hardest time. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it is essential that the primary caregiver takes care of themselves. You know, it is essential that that person has me time. You know, it is essential that they get fed some uh, some rejuvenation. And that, I think, is a huge, like, struggle to figure out how to do. And that's like, I, I cannot tell you how many couples we've worked with where when we get into just like the nuts and bolts of like, how do we help you guys create systems, systems. that allow, you know, whomever's home with the baby all day, whoever's feeding, you know, whoever's staying up at night, that literally every day yes. there's there's some taking care of themselves. And it's so interesting is like couple after couple after couple, it seems like that's like an impossible thing. Right. So, I mean, this is where we're kind of going into like, instead of having all of this tension and exhaustion and new transitions overwhelm your couple bubble, how do you really support each other in creating ways of saying, I love you, I'm attuned to you, and this is for both people, and I want to stay really connected to you during this first year? And so what do we need to do? And again, I encourage couples to do this before the baby is born, but even if the baby's or baby has been born, have this conversation. It's never too late. It is never too late. But it is about identifying what you need and letting the other person know because both of you need each other. Those needs will be different. Let's say it's, you know, for you, I'm sure you needed just like a little time with me but our children wouldn't sleep. And so it was really hard. And so I was like, if I could go back, I would have asked you like, what are some ways that you would feel important, right? Because I know that you have very little of me and that's not what we were used to. If I could go back, I did not do that, trust me, in those moments. But it's again, identifying needs and needs might be different every single day. Yeah, I mean, gosh, when I think about going back and and using that as a framework to help people. I mean, like finding space to still connect with one another and really check in and just know how the other person is, you know, because I think like there's just so much that I missed out on of, I mean, I knew it was hard for you, but it's like, it's almost like when you're in it, you're in this like fog bank, you know, where you just can't get a clear perception because it feels like literally you're just trying to survive and get through the day. And if if we could have made sure that we had a weekly two hours where we had somebody come over and take care of the babies and we just got away from it, if we would have done that like way early on, mm-hmm. I think it might have, it might, because we literally like I remember, like I can put myself there. We didn't go out together for a full year. A full. I remember sitting year. and having and having a cocktail, and it was like I had it, like four. <laughs> it was like, hey, like, oh, how are you after this year? You know, it was like the first time that we felt like 
any sense of like real connection, we're important for a full year. Yeah. And so if we would have found a way to do that, I'm not saying we had to go out to like cocktails when our kids were, were a month yeah. old, but if we would have gone for a walk, just the two of us, mm. you know, if we would have done that consistently, I think it would have gone a heck of a lot better. But but instead we did what a lot of couples where we just like kept our nose down, grounded out and it had a huge consequence. So the number one thing I'm saying is like making time for the two of you on a consistent basis, I think will absolutely change your experience. Making time every single day, you have a plan. And I know and that it changes every day because babies get on different napping schedules or there's so many different things, but you make a plan like, hey, if you need me today, what's the protocol? Are you gonna text me? I'm gonna call you. Hey, if I get home from work and you're here and it's been like a crazy day, what is it that you might need so I know? So I'm going to come in the door and I'm going to say, honey, you go in and you read your Us magazine. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) I wish. Okay. So you're just making a plan, even if it's like, hey, let's do our morning plan and then we'll assess. Then let's do an afternoon plan. Then we'll assess. Then we'll do an evening plan. It's just really important. I know it sounds like a lot, but if you're constantly prepared as much as you can be, it's going to take the level of resentment that could be built away. And again, this was another reason why we created our acceptance versus resignation, right? This year is going to be tough, totally different. You can either resign to it, like, oh my God, this is my life. This is what's happening. This is how they're showing up for me and whatever it is. Or you can be like, this is going to be really hard. Our intimacy is definitely going to take a back seat. I'm going to be exhausted and probably have many sleepless nights, but it's only going to be this way for a year, right? There's something about an acceptance piece. And when you're in it together, like, honey, it's not going to be like this forever. Like we are going to go on more dates. We are going to be able to look at each other and want to have, you know, frisky time again, whatever it might be, but being in it together versus feeling alone and then building resentment is also something, it's just a powerful talk. Just having that talk of like, here's what's changed. Here's what sucks. How do we embrace the suck as EJ would say? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I want to make sure we preserve a, a little chunk of time to talk about this too, because this is something I know you're passionate about, Tara, is it is startling how many um, women struggle with postpartum uh, mm. depression, which oftentimes looks like anxiety looks or looks totally like, different looks like a lot of other things and just is not recognized sometimes for a year or two after it. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think a lot of moms who do struggle are afraid to say that they struggle because there's this whole pressure to be this amazing person connecting with your new bundle of joy. No, that was not my experience. I did not ask for colicky children. I didn't even know what that freaking term meant, but it was hell. And I had no idea I had postpartum. I just remember I would go to the checklist that the doctors would give. And I remember thinking like, this is bad, but nobody freaking said a word. They'd let me leave the office. And I was like, Mm, something is wrong here, but I 
didn't, I was like, but they must not be seeing anything. But I checked off all the things that would qualify for postpartum depression, but nobody said a thing. And I even remember telling, I fired this pediatrician. I was like, well, I'm nursing every hour and I haven't slept in five days. And like, I don't think I'm going to survive this. He's like, the babies are pooping and peeing just fine. Don't stop nursing. What I really wanted him to say was, go ahead and start to supplement, like do something. Cause I was like, they're not getting fed enough or even though I'm feeding them every hour. Like, so I just figured, okay, like, I guess it was postpartum depression. And I did not discover until like a year when I finally like went and talked to a specialist and she's like, my God, and there's something we can do about that, you know? And, and another thing is, so then I didn't know. So then how does my partner know? He's just feeling hated. Like he's the worst person in the world and I'm giving him evil eye. I don't even want him to touch me, to look at me, like go away. I really wanted him to go. I wanted my dogs to go away. I was like, take the dogs out to a field and put them. So I don't want them anymore. I loved my dog. It was just one dog at the time, Bobo. And again, nobody helped us. Nobody said, this is what this could be because, and so now I can identify it when we have a couple in. I said, have you been assessed for postpartum? No. And then I asked the partner, do you know what postpartum is? Yeah, I've heard no. of it, but I don't really yeah. know what it is. I provide a ton of psychoeducation. And then there's this like relief for those that are struggling. I'm not saying everyone does. Like, holy shit, there's a name to this. And there's a way that we can like support each other in this. You know, some people have medication for it, like whatever it is. That's another important piece. And just, I don't feel like people are assessed enough for it. And so then it, again, it goes and it's very important and it's very overwhelming. And it doesn't always, because I think when, when, when we think of postpartum depression, we think of the person being deeply depressed, you know, which which our, our paradigm for that oftentimes is like, you know, you know, sleeping all the time or, you know, feelings of hopelessness. And and I think a lot of times it shows up as anxiety. I mean, that the, that a lot of women with postpartum depression, it's like highly anxious. Yeah, right? just a little something. Remember, I was like, I'm going to drop the baby. I would carry them in laundry baskets because I really thought they were going to fall and break their head. Like I had these crazy images of like bad things happening. That is a symptom of postpartum. Yeah. So it doesn't always look like that. The other reason that the depression oftentimes is sort of misperceived is it you know, that this person has to be like going, going, going all the time. So, you know, they're, they're just so wrapped up in all of the, the things that they have to do taking care of the child that it doesn't totally look like depression either. I mean, and so, you know, one of the markers that, that I would say if, if you are, you know, if you have a baby in the first year or really first two years, a lot mm -hmm. of times this postpartum yeah. depression is going to goes on is if you're like, man, this is just like really prolonged unhappiness or this is really prolonged anxiety. This is not me. This is not, yeah, this is not me. This is beyond just like, yeah. just like being a little overwhelmed. I don't totally feel myself that that's something that you you want to make sure you talk to Somebody, you know, a physician about. A physician that understands postpartum. I mean, you have to go to someone that knows it and understands it. And I, unfortunately, I didn't have that. You would think in that world you <laughs> would. That everybody would, yeah. Yeah, so again, 
you know, it's just important. So identifying these systems, right? Like talking with each other every day, identifying needs, even hourly if you have to, recognizing, you know, that you have different needs and they're both okay, recognizing that there's going to be a lot of things that are uncomfortable that first year, but if you can accept them and be in it together versus feel lonely in it, that that probably is not going to build the resentment that a lot of couples do start to build when these systems are not in place. And as much as you can, realistically, spending some time, some quality time together, two hours a week, if you can, even a walk, going out for a little dinner date so you can just feel like, oh yeah, I am like a human being again with separate from whatever my baby is needing, that that's really important. And then there's a lot of resources out there. Like again, Dr. Stan Tatkin's book, Baby Bomb, had I had that book? And I I think also is you have to get external support, right? Yes. But the, the caveat to that is you have to get external support that really is supportive and it feels like people you connect with and people who are, you know, coming from a similar place than you, you know, because I know that Tara went to a couple of like mom's groups where it didn't feel supportive and it felt kind of judgmental oh. and it it almost did the opposite. So, so you have to sort of experiment around a little bit, but getting out and getting to other people who are going through the, the exact same thing that mm-hmm. you are going through yeah. And are are sort of aligned in the type of person that you are. That again, that normalization piece of like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one who who's suffering in this. It just it just shifts things, you know. Oh, and like to me, one of the biggest things, like, do not have expectations that your partner knows how to support you. They do not. We don't even know how to support ourselves in those moments. There is no way other people know. So you have to just ask for what you need. You have to. And if you don't know how to ask for what you need, that's where you can go and get some therapy support. Like I, Because if you don't, you're in this alone. It is not connecting for you. It is not connecting for your partner. And then imagine how that's not connecting for your new family either. And, you know, the thing about going through transitions in general, but definitely with babies, is that it really is an experience that will bring you guys closer together. And it is gonna be difficult. And and although we talk about it about about how like incredibly challenging it was for the two of us, I do think it also like forged our relationship much deeper. You know, we it's like, you know, they they talk about it uh, in like World War One or whatever, like bunker buddies, you know, that that two people going through prolonged stress together it deepens your bond. And if you can just do some some things that are supportive of it being a little more connected and a little more loving and a little bit better communication, you know, it's not gonna inoculate you completely from it that it's a difficult transition, but it's gonna just create a slight change that is gonna deepen your relationship. We do also encourage couples. So I know today we're kind of talking about like, hey, when you're sort of in it, but couples who you went through it two years, five years, 15 years ago, and you've never really talked about how hard it was, you know, that's, there's a lot of healing in going back to a time like that and talking about it, laughing about it, crying about it, that, you know, it's never too late to sort of process through an old difficult experience. 
Absolutely. And again, we're going to put up some really great resources in our show notes for you because there's a lot out there. Again, please feel free to reach out, ask questions. Yeah, use that Gala link that we have in, in the show notes of share feedback about the episode. If there's something you'd like us to hyper-focus mm-hmm. a little bit more on, I know we also just like a month or two ago had Liz Memel, who's- AuthenticBabies.com. <laughs> yeah, she and she has, it was a great podcast about infant attachment and giving some really great, you know, advice on interacting with your infant child and also mm-hmm. has some amazing uh, online support groups that she does in helping parents together deal with it. So there are amazing resources out there. Don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're obviously passionate about this subject. We are in this together. Yeah, absolutely. Do not feel alone. You don't have to. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, for, for listening. listening again. Please leave us a uh, you know leave us a rating on Apple or uh, Spotify. We we appreciate it. Pass this on to another parent if you think uh, it would be useful to them. Yes, and as always, take care of each other. Take care of yourself, especially if you're a new parent. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening. To- The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.